We have been in a series looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We started off with some of the gifts. We branched off into the ministry gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, to look at some of those. And particularly the prophet. We spent more time on the prophet because this time we were seeing a lot of messages come from the prophets and we wanted to know how to respond and react to those. But we looked at all the fivefold and saw their place here in the church and how we were to receive from them. Then we switched back, back over to the gifts. We covered the gift of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom in the last couple of weeks. We saw in the word of knowledge that that is something that can be used for you personally as well as for you to give to other people. But just because you receive a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom does not mean you know how it is to be shared. Sometimes God will tell you things as he, he did with uh, uh, in the life of Paul. Ananias heard some things about Paul's life but wasn't in a place to share it with him. And there's even other other people that you'll see that about too in the scriptures that we went through and pointed out as we were going through that. But the word of knowledge is there to help you. We're going to be moving into the the uh, gifts of gifts of healings, the gift, the working of miracles. And as we look at these, today we're just looking at the gifts of healing. This is the only one that is plural. But you sometimes see this in tangent with the word of knowledge. That sometimes a word of knowledge is given that a gift of healing is needed. And sometimes you'll see this in a service, but you can, it's, this can be more than just the service. This can also be out in the world. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit in the Word of, in the Word of God are demonstrated more in the world than in the synagogue. They're demonstrated more in the world than they are in, in the church. That is where we are supposed to primarily be going with them. But sometimes a minister might get up and they may say, someone here needs a healing and they'll name something. And it might be in the area of uh, ears, hearing, uh, uh, physical ailment, whatever it might be. But that's a word of knowledge that comes along to kick off the, the working of miracles. Or, I'm sorry, the, the gifts of healings. So sometimes you'll see this in, in tangent. And you might wonder, well, why does, if God gives a word of knowledge that someone needs this particular thing, why doesn't he also give the word of knowledge as to who it is? Have you ever asked that question? I mean, if he can give you the word of knowledge that someone here is needing, it may even get specifics. I've heard it sometimes. People say, they, someone needs healing in their left ear. And they may even tell, say some things. They were born with this or this developed. And they may have all those specifics, but they don't know who it was. Now, don't ever let that cause you to question the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is intact. You remember one time that the word of knowledge was uh, deployed in the Old Testament that a particular prophet was told to go do something but was not told who to do it to. This, of course, would be Samuel. Go to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons to be king. And so the first oldest son came up and God says, nope, this isn't it. So he knew where he was supposed to go. He knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't know who he was supposed to pray over or anoint. He got to the second son, the third son, the fourth son, the fifth son, sixth. He got all the way undone. Do you have any other sons? <laughs> Did you forget one? Well, there's one more. He's out there watching the sheep. And so they, well, we're not going to eat until we, we bring him in. So they brought him in and God says, this is the one. And so he knew that that was, that was the one there. But just because the word of knowledge doesn't give you everything doesn't mean that you heard wrong. There's always an element of faith 
to whatever it is that God has you to do. And you have to step out into that area of faith. I've heard some ministers who have moved in, a, in this combination of things where the word of knowledge came for a gift of healing that was on their, their life. And they called out, and they, I'll just use the same example of healing. They called out for somebody for deafness, and a, a person came up, and they just knew in their spirit, this isn't, this isn't the one. We can still pray over them for this, but this is not the one. Because you knew it in your, in your spirit, just like uh, over there in the house of Jesse. First one came up, no, that's not the one. I don't know who it is yet, but I know this isn't the one. Second son came up, this is not the one. I don't know who it is yet, but this isn't the one. <laughs> so just because it works for you like that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or anything wrong with how you're flown in the gift because uh, a very uh, high-level prophet of God, God used very often and very, very much, uh, had the same issue. He didn't always know everything. And it's not as you would want it, it's as he issues it. So he's going to, to be bringing that out. But some things we want to go over here today. How can I know if I have a gift of healing? How can I know if I have that? Again, this is the, this is the gift that's in the plural. Gifts, plural, of healings, plural. That means you may have one gift of healing and someone else might have another gift of healing. It does not mean that you have all the gifts of healings. It means you may have one gift. Maybe there's even more than one on your life. There are some people who will who tell me who operate in this that um, that they have a gift of healing for deafness, or they may have a gift of healing for certain uh, physical uh, sicknesses that might come up. It just seems that everybody that I pray for has a headache who suffers with headaches gets healed. So, but you you, you discover this as you go along. But we're going to show you how you can tell whether you have the gift of healing. Now, how does this differ from the laying on of hands and anointing with oil? We're going to look at that. We're going to look at some Bible examples of this gift in action. You could have this gift in your life right now and not realize it. So how can you find out? Brother Hagen said this, The working of miracles demonstrates the power of God, while the gifts of healing show His mercy. I may not have that verbatim. I heard him say that. And so I'm, I'm just uh, recalling from, from that. But I'll read it to you again. The working of miracles demonstrates the power of God, while the gifts of healings show His mercy. More often when you see the gifts of healings operating, there's not a uh, blatant act of power. But you'll see God's mercy uh, exuding on this. As far as uh, this is to concern, we're going to go through the Bible and we're going to look at this. You will see the gifts of healings operating more in the New Testament than in the Old. But the working of miracles seem to operate more in the Old Testament than in the New. Now, I'm not telling you to compare that to today. or anything. I'm just telling you for what's recorded. What we have written down, we have more of the working of miracles in the Old Testament demonstrating His power. In the New Testament, we have more of the, the, the gifts of healings demonstrating His mercy. Let's just read over the text verse for these in 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried about to these dumb idols. 
however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That's one of the things about the gifts of the Spirit. When they are given, when they are in demonstration, they are there for people to, the body of Christ, to profit from. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as He wills. We've made mention of this a number of different times, but... the two kingdoms that are in this world, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, have a number of differences. One of those differences is God's kingdom is filled with diversity. Satan's kingdom is filled with sameness. Anytime that you see any power that be trying to get everyone to do something the same way, do not wonder what the inspiration is behind them. God's inspiration is never about everything being the same. It's never about everyone saying the same thing. It's never about anyone, everyone doing the same thing. But the kingdom of Satan, this is what it's like. And just a few quick examples of this. When you have the book of Daniel, they wanted everyone to do the same thing, bow down to the golden statue. Anyone who did not was punished. Now where in the kingdom of God is that done? That's not going to happen. And you can go through a whole bunch of examples of all this. But that's what the Satan wants. He wants everybody to conform to a certain standard. He wants everybody to do a certain thing and everyone to go in a certain direction. I laugh whenever I hear the news media. But I, I don't listen to them. But I hear people who get those little montages together and they, they play it. This is just from yesterday. And one after another, 10, 15, 20 of them using exactly the same phraseology using the exact same word, constantly, all over the country, different news stations, here, here, over in this state, over here in this state, they're all using exactly the same thing. Why are they doing the same thing? Because they're of the kingdom of Satan. Satan is about sameness. God is about diversity. And so he may give the gifts of healings to one person, and that may manifest itself in one way or a different way in another one. And this is why we have the body of Christ. Because as God gives us the picture of the body, the body of Christ, we have hands, we have eyes, we have feet, we have nose, we have mouth. And they use this, if the whole body were hands, where would the, where would the smell be? And uh, just the list goes on. We need the difference, differences in the body. That means that you as an individual can't do everything and you need some other people around in the body of Christ to help out. That's not bad. It's not bad to need other people to come along and to, to help out. I love it when I've been in, in, in ministries, services, and the person who's up there ministering, Brother Hagen did this a lot. He would, he would be up there, and he didn't try and be the whole thing. He'd get up there, and he'd go, well, we're not quite done yet. <laughs> who's got the next part? Or he'd call somebody out, Brother Keith, you got the next part. <laughs> and I was listening to one this week from way, way, way back. This is back when Brother Keith 
And uh, Keith Moore and Patsy were ministering together. And that goes way back to a long, long time ago. And I saw Brother Keith there. Boy, does it look like a young Brother Keith. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I, I forgot he looked that way. <laughs> and he came on up and they were ministering. I said, boy, he sure has developed in that gift. Because that, that was kind of in its infancy stages when they were coming up and just bringing up uh, songs and, and things like that. And uh, I thought, boy, they, they sure did develop that. That wasn't uh, nearly as efficient as they had had done before. But glory to God, you grow in the gift. But there's different giftings that were there. And in that particular service, he called on a, a couple of different people. They had some things. Brother Copeland was in there in the meeting, and he called on him for a, for a word. And then he... Uh, uh, Ed Dufresne was in the meeting, and he called on him. I think two times he came out with a with a word, and different people come along and they bring that because this is God. God wants diversity. He wants different things to to be able to go on. It's not bad if you depend on someone else or need someone else to come along and to help in getting something done in your in your body in the area of healing. And this is one of those things that has been provided for in the gifts of healings. So what is it? I put this in here for you. This is the best definition I could come up with. The supernatural empowerment given to a believer to minister various kinds of healing and restoration to individuals through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing natural about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are not done because you are bright, because you are uh, wise, because you are able to discern. It has nothing to do with you and your abilities. It comes by the Holy Spirit. And this one is the same way. It's administered in the Bible. Now, I'm not telling you that this is the only way it can be administered. What I'm telling you is, in the Bible, this is how it's administered. This is how we see it being demonstrated. And so I've, I've listed these out here for you. First off, speaking the Word. And I gave you some references here. We'll get into some of these down the road. We're not going to get into them right now. But... First off, it's administered in the Bible through speaking the word. That is one way that it comes. Laying on of hands is another. Obedience to instructions is a third. And handkerchiefs or aprons is a fourth. These are areas where the gifts of healings were in operation. We're not going to spend too much time on the fourth one because there's really only one place in the scripture where that was uh, told about and talked about a whole lot. But we're going to look at the other ones where there's there's more examples. There are... Three examples I wrote down for the Old Testament. We're not going to get into any of them. I just wanted you to see that they were there. Uh, the ways healing comes to me. There are three ways I wrote down for you for how healing comes to you. If you need healing in your body, there are three ways that this will come to you. First off, it's my faith. You just believe God. You, you see His Word. You have faith in His Word. And you receive the healing that comes from His Word. That's the first way. My faith. The second way is through others' hands laid on me. Other people having uh, laid hands on me. This is, uh, this is not the gift of healings. This is just people laying. There's a general laying on of hands that goes on. And if you're sick, you can call for the elders of the church. They can come and they can anoint you with oil. It doesn't say that the gift of healing needs to be present there. It just says you can do this. So this is the second way. This gets other people involved. If you've been believing God and haven't made any progress, God wants you to have progress. And so if you've been believing God and asking for, for something to be done, hasn't quite happened yet, you can go and you can ask for people to lay hands on you. That's the second way for healing to come. Here's the third way. 
The third way is through the gifts of healings. This, of course, is going to... Um, usually, you just need one. You don't need multiple gifts of healings for you to be healed. You just need one. So, if you're suffering from headaches and you find somebody who has a gift of healing in the area of headaches, well, that's all you need. I don't need somebody else who has a gift of healing for other things. I just need that one. Usually, you just need one gift of healing, and that will uh, generally take care of things. Kenneth Hagin says this, In my own ministry, this is from one of his books, In my own ministry, ruptures, growths, hernias, or lumps of any kind are almost always healed when I pray for people. 99 cases out of 100. Some of the growths completely disappear within a month. So he found that out, that uh, this is an area... That he, now, he didn't limit when he would pray over people or operate in those gifts. He didn't limit it to just that. He would pray over other people. He's just noticing when I'm praying over people with this particular condition, this is what usually happens. Now, in the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 21, gave you the reference there, they had the fiery serpents. When the fiery serpents were, were out because of the visual's disobedience and they were bitten, they were told, if you wish to be healed of the fiery serpent so that you don't die, if you wish to be healed, look on the, the pole with the serpent wrapped around it that Moses had made. If you look upon that, you will be healed. So there was obedience to instructions. In Second um, Kings 20, Hezekiah was terminally ill. Now this one, it's harder to see the gift of healing going on because no one really transferred anything in this story but he was sick he was going to die and then he was well so somewhere this uh, this occurred that uh, that he was healed and all we know that he did was he he turned his head to the wall and he prayed probably repented don't know but i just threw that one in there so that you could see this is the healing there's no miracle involved here it's just that he was healed in second kings five we have naaman was cured of leprosy and in this instance, he came to the prophet, and the prophet didn't even come out to see him. He just said, go wash in the river Jordan seven times. And he was upset. He didn't want to do it. His servant said, well, look, he just told you some simple things to do. Just go out there and do it. And so he did. And the seventh time, he was cleansed. Well, he again, he was obedience to instructions. Now, as we go into the New Testament, we're spending most of our time in the life of Jesus. This is not because it only operates in Jesus. Don't get that impression. The reason we're spending all of our time in the Gospels here and looking at the ministry of Jesus is because in the ministry of Jesus, we are given the most amount of detail of when this gift was in operation. This gift was in operation in the disciples. But they went out and operated in this gift and came back and said, what? Even the demons are subject to us. People, people were healed. This was going on. But what details do we have of what happened? We don't have any details. So it's kind of hard to study that. And get details when they aren't, we know what happened. We know what happened with other people. We just don't know the details. In the New Testament, we have a few, but, or I'm sorry, in the book of Acts and uh, some of the other areas, we have a few accounts, but we're lacking on some of the details. So we're just looking at the life of Jesus here because we got the details on these. And I'm trying to keep myself from getting into the details of the healing, because I love teaching Jesus healing stories. That's one of my favorite things to read is go back through and read Jesus and his parables and read Jesus when he's 
when he's healing people because there's just so much we can learn. But we're going to try and just keep it to the, to the gift here and, and, and look at that. So verse uh, 1 of Matthew chapter 8. When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him and saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, you remember Brother Hagin's statement? And he's not the only one who's made this. I just couldn't write it down from anyone else. But other people have made this about gifts of healing in their, their ministry. Different ones, blindness, uh, deafness, whatever it might be. And they'll talk about the great percentage of people that get healed in that. Brother Hagen said 99% of the people that he prayed for with gross were healed. Now, just think about this. What percentage of those times that Jesus prayed for lepers were healed? 100%, wasn't it? All of them got healed. How many blind people, what percentage of blind people that Jesus ministered to got healed? 100%, right? How many uh, deaf people did Jesus pray over they got healed? 100%, wasn't it? How many uh, demons did he cast out of people who had epilepsy or whatever other condition caused by the, the demon? 100%. Now, we don't have the benefit of seeing all of Jesus' uh, encounters that he had with people. But we do have this, that of the ones that are recorded, 100% of these special conditions were done. It says that Jesus had the Spirit without measure. It seems that all the gifts were in operation in him, whereas with us, there's different, different ones have different uh, parts of that going on. So don't think that if you have a gift of healing on, that all this needs, you need to follow that exact pattern. Uh, certain ones might have great uh, success with a certain disease like leprosy. Yeah, that kind of a feared disease that people would have in our current day. But anyway, let's just take a look at this. He said, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Verse 4, And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So here we have that the gift of healing was in operation and was manifested through Jesus laying hands on them. Now we've told you, we've spent some time on this before. It's just in the area of leprosy. How many people in the Old Testament were healed of leprosy? As far as we know, there's only one, right? Well, actually two. Miriam, she only had it for a week. <laughs> but that was, that was just a special sort of judgment thing came on her and then it went off. And of course we had Moses who had his hand, put it in the, in the, garment and came out leprous and then put it back in and then came out healed but that was more of a just a sign for demonstration and uh we spent uh i forget when this was or what series we were in but we spent a good bit of time going through the book of leviticus and showing how much detail it gave that if a person had leprosy what to do and how to judge whether they were healed and yet as far as we can tell only one person was ever healed all those years of the levitical law and only one person was ever healed. So can you imagine being a priest and being taught the Levitical law when it got to the part of leprosy? You're being taught, this is what you got to do. And somebody, you know, somebody in the class raised their hand. How many people have actually had to go through this? None. 
Why are we, why are we having to learn it? Because it's in the Bible. <laughs> and so they keep teaching it, keep teaching it, keep teaching it, keep getting people ready. But even by Jesus' standard, he said, how many lepers were there in this day? How many were healed? Well, there's, there's not many cases in the, in the Old Testament where this was done. But in the New Testament, Jesus comes along and now all of a sudden, 100% of people. Can you imagine the shock on the people's faces when 10 lepers showed up? Hey, we're healed. What? This, this, hasn't, this hasn't happened before. Can you imagine the faith of this man who, though no one that he knows about has ever been healed of leprosy? He comes to Jesus and said, if you want to, you can do it. <laughs> wow. That's some faith, isn't it? He really had some faith in the gift. And Jesus laid hands on him and the healing gift was ministered to him. No one accidentally got healed of leprosy. They died from this thing eventually. But that was a gift of healing that went on. And Jesus seemed to have it that anyone he prayed over for leprosy was healed. Go on in verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you, sh you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man also, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, most times we look at this, we look at uh, one of the Gospels that gives us a little more detail on it. So I came over to this one. So we get away from all those details and we don't get sidetracked by it. But it seems that this particular servant had become paralyzed with a sickness or a condition that came upon him. Because he would not have been his servant if he was paralyzed. Why would you be a servant to someone's in the house, if you are paralyzed, you would need servants to take care of you. So he had obviously had a time, uh, probably not very long ago, in which he was functioning and he was normal. And then all of a sudden, he started taking sick. And I don't know what the process was. I'm just guessing that. Maybe he started having a fever. Maybe he started with some bits of uh, dizziness or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, it got worse. He's trying to go through his day and, and do the things that he's doing, but it's got worse. And now, all of a sudden, he, he I can't get up. He's laying down on the bed. I can't get up. I can't move. And my whole body is hurting. He's, uh, he's under torment, it says. So he's paralyzed and he's tormented. So this gets the centurion into action. And we, I know about this Jesus. I'm going to go and see him. I know that this will, this will take care of it. And so we know from the details of the other stories that he didn't actually come out personally. He sent people there. And I, I love the details of the story, but I'm not going to get lost in those right now. I've got to stay focused. But it's, it seems that some sickness came upon him, not an injury. 
It's a sickness because he's asking for him to be healed. If it was an injury, he'd ask for him to be restored. Or he would have come and said, he was involved in an accident or something occurred that way. He would have said it in those, those kind of things. So a sickness came and there are sicknesses out there that can come upon you and begin to cause you to be paralyzed. We don't mean just that you don't want to get up. This man was called paralyzed. He was not able to get up and his body was tormented. And so Jesus is ready to come and lay hands on him and administer the gift of healing through the laying on of hands. But of course he says, no, I'm not worthy for you to come by. Just say the word. And so he says the word. And the servant was healed that same hour. So here's an instance where he just said, he spoke the word. And that gift of healing was enacted. In verse 14, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. In other words, his mother-in-law. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. So here's the gift of healing coming into play and the fever goes, but he, he touched her. He laid hands on the person that was sick. So we have, he spoke the word, he laid hands and there's obedience. In verse 16, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, spoke the word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, it doesn't say how they were healed. It just says that many, that those who came, if they had demon spirits, the demon spirits were gone. And he healed all who were sick. Now this means that everyone who came to the meeting was taken care of. Who came with a condition. Because look at how this is worded. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word. Does it give any indication as to what percentage is there? No. It says they brought many demon possessed people to the meeting and he cast out the spirit with the word. So each one had the spirit, the wrong spirit cast off of them. Now in the word of God, just just reading this a little bit, in the word of God we find out that demon spirits are involved in epilepsy. Doesn't mean that every time a person is epileptic that they are demon possessed. Please don't, don't get that idea. But there were times where this was the cause of the epilepsy. There was deafness that was caused by demon spirits. Not every person who was deaf had it because of a demon spirit, but some did. There were people who were mute, couldn't speak. And many of those who were mute and couldn't speak, it was so because of a demon spirit. So there's the gift of discerning of spirits that can sometimes kick in, and we can see into the spirit realm to see the spirit that is behind the sickness. If you see into the spirit realm and see the demon spirit, we talked about this particular gift before, but if God gives you the ability to see into the spirit realm and to see the thing that is behind it, he wants you to deal with it. That's why it's revealed. You don't have to ask, well, God, what should I do? Word of knowledge, you need to ask, what should I do with it? But discerning of spirits, if you see, deal with it. That's all you got to do. We don't know that the discerning of spirits was involved here, but it may have been. But he spoke the word and they left. And he healed all who were sick. So all that were sick, whoever came, they were done. Whether the sickness is done by a demon spirit or 
or what? But we have the word, and we imagine that laying on hands was involved in a lot of those others. In Mark chapter 8, verse 22, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him, and he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Now this will tell you right there, if you saw men like trees walking, he was not born blind. There's a difference in that. If you are born blind, there's some kind of creative miracle that needs to be done to get you to see. Because something was not right when you were born. More than likely, this is some kind of a disease, some kind of an infection in the eyes. Don't know exactly what it is. We're not told. But somehow, some kind of disease came along and caused him to not be able to see anymore. We know from medicine that there are many different types of diseases that can cause this to come about. And when he had spit on his eyes and he put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. So he walked him out of the town and told him not to go into the town or tell anyone in there. But this person was restored. There was a laying on of hands. Now he also spit in this one. And there are two, in, two other instances too where spit was involved. <laughs> now if you have the gift of healing and God tells you to spit on the ground and to uh, the, you go ahead and do it. But don't do it under the general anointing. We don't have anybody who spit and uh, made other people well because of their spitting. But Jesus used his spit and touched the tongue and healed the a mutinous that was there. Two times he did it with some blind people. I'm sure that there was probably other times in the Word of God that, or in his life that he did it, just not recorded in the Word of God. But on this one there, there was. So here we have the, the touch being involved. But here's a real puzzling one. And it can help open up our eyes on this. The woman with the issue of blood. In Luke chapter 8, boy, chapter 8 is used a lot here, isn't it? Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him, Master, the multitude throng and press you and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Someone touched me for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now I say this one is a little bit more puzzling because look at this. We looked at the, the cases where this is done. Jesus spoke the word. Hands were laid on them. Or obedience to instructions. And yet none of those things went on here. Now we know that there was a case that may have uh, fed her faith that people had uh, in a crowd as many as touched his garment were healed. And she may have been using that as it, but how is it that they were able to get healed when the, the main areas that we see in the word of God being administered touch spoken word or instructions given? How is it that that wasn't done? There is a gift 
in him that can be accessed. There is a gift of healing that is in him and it can be accessed. It can be accessed through faith because we know in some of the more detailed uh, accounts of this that, or even here in this one, it, it says it pretty plainly. Verse 48, and he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, we've, we've looked at this before. If her faith was sufficient to get her well, why wasn't she healed yesterday? Did her faith change between yesterday and the day she saw Jesus? And we know from the detailed accounts that she kept saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. I know I shall be healed. She has the faith. That faith has been built up. But that faith hasn't been able to access anything yet. There's a gift in him. And she's going to use that faith to access the gift. Other times when Jesus went to Capernaum, the gifts were still in him. But the word of God said he could do there no mighty work because of their unbelief. So even with him actively laying hands, speaking the word, or giving instructions as God would give them to him, no one was able to be healed through those gifts. The word tells us that he laid his, laid his hands on a few sick people and they recovered. He just went through the general, uh, general anointing of laying on of hands. The gift of healing wouldn't be accessed because their doubt shut it down. In the same way that they shut it down through their doubt, she activated it through her faith. If you're going to go to someone who has a gift of faith, you need to be involved. You can't just go there and just say, well, I'm just going to show up and see if God does anything. You'll shut that gift down. Don't shut the gift down. All these stories we've looked at so far, their faith was involved. The centurion's faith was involved. Jesus even said, this is great faith right here. This is, this is good stuff. The, the man who was a leper came to Jesus. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Well, that took great faith because most people don't believe this disease has a cure or that anyone can do it. And they hadn't seen it. So she accessed this through touch. But she just reversed the touch and she touched him. And that power went out from him into her because he turned in the crowd and he said, who touched me? And the disciples, of course, said, well, everybody's touching you. They're all pressing in, messing with you. What do you mean, who touched me? No, no, someone touched me and healing power went out. And so the woman says, I'm not going to be able to be hidden. They're seeing what, what happened. And so she came and she told all that she did. And, and she's already healed. She's already got it. Jesus isn't doing anything here. He just wanted to see who did it. And we got a great lesson out of it. But you know that through your faith, you can access this. Now, here's something I want you to look at. Maybe you hadn't thought about this before. Sometimes people want to say, if you need somebody to pray over you, your faith isn't good. Your faith is weak. But her faith was intact. Her faith was strong. Her faith was good. And she still needed the gift of the that was inside of Jesus. Don't ever think it's it's lower than you. Well, I, I shouldn't need to do this. I've been a believer for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years I've been in the faith movement. I ought to know enough by now. I shouldn't need to, to go out there and get into some meeting 
or find some uh, evangelist or, or whoever it might be that's, that's got this kind of thing going on. No, don't be saying that. God wants you healed. This is one of the aspects that He has given for that to be done. And this woman, as great as her faith was, she needed something for it to act on. And she said her direction, I know, if I just touch the hem of His garment, I shall be made well. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed Him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, this is the story we usually look at in another passage because it gives us a lot more detail here. This is the one that tells us there were two involved, but blind Bartimaeus apparently had a buddy. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes. He touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be done. Even though the gift of healing is involved, it's still their faith that's also involved. You cannot turn off your faith just because the gift of healing is present. According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows, but when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. <laughs> they didn't listen very well. <laughs> and it is pretty tough to do that if you had a blindness going on for whatever the condition was, and now all of a sudden you can see. I mean, how are you going to keep that quiet? Can you imagine people come up to him? You can see. I, I can. How'd that happen? I can't tell you. I imagine, you know, maybe the first couple of people they tried to do this to, and it just, it wasn't working. I got, I got to tell somebody. <laughs> I got to let people know. And so they probably did try and, and help it out a little bit, but the, there's just no way. I just can't keep quiet about this. And they spread the news about him in all that country. In Luke chapter 17, now it happened, verse 11, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and Jesus, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. They weren't cleansed when they left. Jesus didn't lay hands on them. It's not that Jesus won't touch a leper. He's already done that. But he just said to them, he gave them instructions. Follow these instructions. So they did. What are the instructions? Go show yourself to the priest. The law has all this in it, but no one really needed to take advantage of it. It seemed like it was wasted paper. So they did. And as they were on their way, as they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now this tells us something that about this group of ten that is not in the text. And that is, this group of ten was a mixed group of people. At least one of them was a Samaritan. 
and at least several of them were Jews. Now, I don't know if it was nine to one. It could have been nine Jewish people to one Samaritan. It could have been more of a mixture. But as much as these two groups didn't want to fellowship with each other, and the Samaritans don't want to fellowship with the Jewish people, and the Jewish people don't want to fellowship with the Samaritans, when this disease came on them, they all fellowshiped together. <laughs> They're all in the same group. This is a group of ten people. They went around as this group of ten. All up until the time they got healed, and then all of a sudden one of them branched off from them. You guys, go on. I need to, I need to go back. I'm sure that there was a bit of a discussion. Why are you going back? I'm going to go back and thank them. Well, there's time for that later. Let's go and get ourselves declared clear, clean. No, nope, no. Nope. I'm going to go back. I wonder if they even had to argue with them a little bit. Well, let's go back and get ourselves declared clean before it changes. <laughs> Could you see somebody saying something like that? Then we'll all go back together and we'll thank him. No, no. I need to go back now. And apparently, Jesus was excited that they did that. Or that he did that. But it is interesting. As much as uh, we, we see different groups, and of course, today we don't see Jewish people and Samaritan people. We see other groups. And so, we have, uh, generally, there's always two groups. There's always the group that I'm in and them. Isn't that the way that it usually is? My group, them. We don't like them. We don't want to be, be around them. There's a, there's a group that goes to church and a group that doesn't. There's a group that votes this way and a group that votes this way. Now for me, there's runners and there's the rest of you. I know, I know, and people won't admit this, but I know that everybody who's not a runner wishes that they were. I know it. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me about it or try and, you know, stay covered up. I know it. <laughs> no, but generally there's always two groups. It's not three or four. It's two. And we are right in our group. Even in the church, there's the group that speaks in tongues. And the group that doesn't. There's the group who uses the King James Bible. And there's those who don't. Right? It's always two groups. We don't, we don't mix, we don't mix them up a, a whole lot. And my group is the good group. Until something comes along and causes all those divisions to, to be washed out. See, that's how God wants us to live. It doesn't mean you have to compromise things in order to do that. We don't have to compromise. I'm not going to change how I believe. I believe speaking in tongues is for today. I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I believe that Jesus heals today. Other people out there, they don't believe that. I'm not going to just cut them off. Thank God they're saved. If they get sick, they may be in trouble. <laughs> but at least... If they get in trouble, they know where they're going. And that's good. Be careful of groups. 
In uh, John chapter 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was going, now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So his father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of the Judea into Galilee. Now the emphasis here, as this story is being told, as it's being told from this uh, this man, this nobleman's uh, point of view, that the child was healed when Jesus said it. But actually, the child was healed when he obeyed. If he would not have obeyed, that child wouldn't have been healed. So it was the same hour in which Jesus said those words, but it was in that same hour that this man believed what Jesus said and turned to go home. Now, we've taught on this story before. We've looked at the difficulty that it would be if you believed that your son was at the point of death and it was urgent and you're here to get Jesus. Well, I don't even know if we have enough time, but I need to get you on back. And Jesus says, I'm not going. I'm just going home. He's fine. That's a step of faith for you to do. Your son is at home dead. If you get on home and what Jesus said doesn't isn't so, you don't have time to come back and get Jesus. So when it says in the word there that the man believed what Jesus said and he turned and he went home. What a, what a tremendous thing. But there, again, we're tapping into the gifts of healings and Jesus gave him instructions. It's not as Jesus wills, it was as the Father wills. And we know that Jesus didn't say anything or do anything unless the Father told him or demonstrated it to him. And so, God, he, he, God had told him, just tell him to go. And so he did that. And he just went. Now here's this question. How can I know if I have this gift? I'm convinced that many people in the body of Christ have these gifts and don't know it. Because we don't see these gifts in operation a whole lot. So most of us Christians are going through this life with natural abilities when we could be going through with supernatural abilities. Instead of going into the battle with just natural abilities and the knowledge of of God's Word, which is good, we could be going in with supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, tearing down some kingdoms that Satan is trying to set up. But we're not doing that. Now, no one in the Word of God seems to be told they have this gift. I can't think of a single time that anyone ever came up and said, you have gifts of healings, or you have a gift of healing. I can't find a single time where anyone was ever told that. I can't find a single time where someone came forward and said, "Uh, Paul, I think I have the gift of healing. 
or a gift of healing. I think I have one. Peter, I, I think, I think this is going on. I, I'm not sure. We don't have a single time that that went on. It would seem that as you operate in the general gift of laying on of hands, you will notice a more specific gift of healing materialize. So watch for it. But in order for that to happen, you need to be going out and laying hands on the sick. Now, how many people are supposed to go out and lay hands on the sick? Five-fold ministry, they're supposed to go out and lay hands on the sick? Absolutely. They're supposed to go, but they're not the only ones. For the Word of God says, These signs shall follow them that believe. If you are one who believes, then you ought to be doing these particular things. They shall speak with other tongues. That's one of those things. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's another one of those things. And he gives us a number of things in there. But one of them is, you ought to be going out and laying hands on the sick. Well, I don't know if I have a gift of healing. Well, you won't find out if you don't lay hands. There is a general laying on of hands that you are equipped to do as a believer. So if you have somebody who's sick, go out there and lay hands on them. Well, I don't know if they won't be healed. Well, if you don't lay hands on them, they probably won't. You've got to go out there and lay hands on them. Well, I just don't know that God will use me in that way. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you believe in the Messiah? These signs shall follow them that believe. He didn't say these signs shall follow them that believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say these signs shall follow them that believe in the gifts of healings. He said these signs shall follow them that believe. Now if I want those signs to follow then I need to get out there and start doing it. Now it's easy when you're at home laying hands on your own kids or family members but it's a little tougher to go out there with the neighbors. Well what are they going to think if nothing happens? Can you imagine one single time when Jesus, Peter, John, James, Bartholomew, Andrew, Matthew, you name it. Can you think of a single time in the Word where they went out and what happens if if it doesn't work? No, they went out there and they did it. Even the first time Jesus sent them out, they went out there and they did it. And they came back saying, hey, it worked. It was all right. Be out there and lay hands on the sick. You will find that as you begin to do this, that you will see, boy, it just seems like more people that have this condition get healed when I lay hands on them. And once you notice that, you're going to start declaring it. See, there's something behind certain ministries that uh, they get up and, and say, I have this gift. You're making a declaration. It seems that God uses me in this. You're not making a declaration to say, you're all that. You're just saying, God has used me in this area. But the only way you know that is to go out in the general gift. So you ought to be out there laying hands on all kinds of conditions. Oh, a deaf person. Glory to God, I get to find out. (laughs) Come here, deaf person. See, I won't know if I have a gift of ministering to deaf people and so I start ministering to some, to some deaf people. i got to get out there and find some deaf people. 
I got to get out there and find some people who can't talk. I got to find some people who have whatever condition it might be. But whenever they come up and they say, I have this condition, come on. And I'm ready to lay hands on. I'm excited. I'm going to, I'm going to find out how this is going. There are gifts of healings, plural. How many? I don't know. I mean, there could be a hundred. There could be fifty. There could be a thousand. I don't know how many gifts there are. But he's got some people in the body of Christ and he's put this gift in them. It's there. We told you before with the word of knowledge, I think just about every every Christian ought to be doing that. You remember how I told you? Paul says, I wish y'all spoke with tongues. I wish y'all walked in the word of knowledge. Because it's one of the most useful gifts in your day to day. To help you and help those that are around you. Now, do I always need this gift to get healed? If just believing gets it done, folks, you don't need this gift. If you got sick with something, some kind of condition came on you, and you just said, I'm just going to believe God's word that this is going to, this is the way it's going to be. And you get healed, you didn't need anything else. Glory to God, stay with it. That's fine, but you, you go after something else, and you just don't seem to be making any headway. Well, then move over to the laying on of hands. This gets other people's faith involved. This is just you. It gets other people involved. And you have to go and ask. Sometimes I don't want to ask anybody to help me out. Well, then stay sick. Well, why do I have to ask? Why can't I just get it on my own faith? I don't know. But if it's not working, if, if you had an object that you had to pick up and put into your truck to carry someplace, all right, most of you don't have a truck. I have a truck. <laughs> and if I have an object that I need to get from the ground into the truck and I lift it up and I can't quite do it, so I just go, well, I wanted to bring this out to you, but I can't lift it. I guess I can't do it. What do you, what's the person on the other end going to say? Well, is there anyone there that can help you? You get somebody else over there who can who can help you. Maybe the two of you can get the the thing in there. Well, I don't want to ask anybody to help. Well, then it's not going to get done. Some Christians have this attitude: I don't want to ask anybody else to help, and that's why they stay suffering with the condition that they have. They got too much pride. They call it faith, but it's actually pride. They just don't want to move in that direction. To, uh, to get anyone to help out. And if laying on the hands, you had the general laying on the hands for that condition and you still are suffering with that condition and you're in a place of faith, well, go look for that gift in someone else. Father God, I thank you that you just bring that gift along. Just like the, the woman with the issue of blood, she brought Jesus along the path. And she was able to go out there and do it. See, that gift can break through some barriers of doubt and whatever might be in the way because God wants you healed. God does not want you suffering that condition. God doesn't care that you get there on your own. He doesn't care if you got there through the general gift of laying on of hands or anointing with oil. And He doesn't care if you got there because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now I wrote this, I think it's at the end of your outline there if you want to fill this in. 
If God did not know that the simple act of believing would not be sufficient for all believers to receive healing for everything they encountered. If God did not know, he knew this ahead of time. If he did not know that the simple act of believing would not be sufficient for all believers to receive healing for everything they encountered, he would not have made plans for the gift's operation. God made plans for the gift's operation because he knew the simple gift of faith would not get it done for some believers. And he is so concerned that you receive the healing that you need. That he put not only faith for you to believe, but he also put in laying on of hands and the anointing of oil. And then he also put in gifts of healings that can trans, that just get, get you past, transform you, get, get you past whatever obstacle. I don't know what the obstacle is. But if you can get past it, who cares? Deal with it later on. But you can get healed. You can, you can continue on doing what God's called you to do. Because you got healed. But God put this in operation. He has this gift in operation for you. Now, it's not just going to operate in a church. It will operate in a church sometime. And I want more of you to get out there and find out what kind of gifts are going on. And if there's a gift of healing in you, I want you to find out about it. And if we have somebody who needs prayer for a particular thing, and someone operates in that gift, and they've come to me, and they, it just seems like I have a gift for this particular thing. Why in the world am I going to mess with it? Brother, sister, so-and-so, come on up here. Lay hands on this person. I mean, that's just a better way to get it done. See, these gifts are in operation in the body of Christ. But we are always waiting for someone else. Someone else has these gifts. I'll just wait for them to go. I'm sure that God didn't, uh, He doesn't need me. I'm nobody important. I'm nobody good. Yes, you are. And you know what? Of all these gifts of healings, there may be one, maybe two, whatever it might be, in you. Maybe they've been dormant in you for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, just sitting there waiting to come out. How many people could you have helped if you would have stepped out and found out? Now, don't get guilt and condemnation about it. Just get, get to where you find out about it. Go out there and find some sick people. And lay hands on them. Just be bold. <laughs> just go out there and lay hands on them. They're, are you not feeling well today? What's going on? And they tell you, is it okay if I lay hands on you? And pray? Well, you know, with COVID. Uh, <laughs> lay hands on them. That's what the Bible said to do. Just go out there and lay hands on them. Is it okay if I lay hands on you? You can get, Word of God says I lay hands on you, you get healed. Really? Alright. Lay hands on them. Now you see, you look at the other, the other areas there. You can get healed by obeying instructions. But if you don't have a relationship with that person, will they obey any instruction that you give them? Probably not. So more than likely, you're not going to get that direction. But see, some of the people coming to Jesus, they already seen Jesus minister. He already had a rapport with them. And so they're willing to, to hear some of that. And that was a way to enact their faith. 
lay hands on them. Step out there. Get that gift going. Well, Father, I don't know if you, you put this gift in me, but if you did, I'm going to find out about it. Because you can go through the Word. I've already gone through the Word. I, I just think the Word. I just kind of go through from Genesis going, going through, try, trying to figure out whoever had this happen. No one was ever told they had the gift of healing. They just seemed to discover it. They just seemed to find out. So you may have it in you. And if you got it in you, I want you to find out about it. So that you know, God put it in you for a reason. Do you know that one of the reasons that he puts these gifts in you is because he knows who you will encounter? And he says, you're going to encounter this person at this stage in your life. I need that gift operating in you. So I've given it to you. Now develop it. Learn how to walk in that gift. So when you get there, you can turn that person's life around. And you can do it. God has gifted you. God has empowered you. God has given you things that will help you in this. Don't sell yourself short and surely do not sell God short. This has nothing to do with how righteous you are, how sanctified you are, how great of a worshiper you are, how much you know about God. Because this transcends anything that you have done to qualify for it and anything that you would have done to make the gift better. It is completely apart from you. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit and it's given as He wills. So don't disqualify yourself. The devil's always coming along trying to tell you, well, you can't operate in that. You don't know enough about the Word. There's no qualification about that in the Scriptures. Don't listen to that. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit and He will empower you. He will give you things. Just like the word of knowledge comes not based on anything that you know naturally. Word of wisdom comes not based on anything that you know naturally. The gift of discerning of spirits, the ability to see into the spirit realm, nothing about you naturally helps you to do that. You don't need some special spy glasses. It is done in the spirit. These are all done supernaturally. So it trans... It, it goes past anything that you have as a skill set goes beyond that. Just lay hands on, on the people. Here's the thing that you're going to see that's a little bit different. When you operate in the gift of healing, you are going to find out that certain power, you're going to feel that power flow from you. When you operate in the general gift of anointing oil and laying on of hands, you will not often feel power flow. But when you got into this gift of the Holy Spirit for the gifts of healings, you will see power that goes out. Jesus was so sensitive to it when the woman with the issue of blood tapped into it by her own faith. Jesus had stopped. Something happened. Something happened. How many like to feel that kind of power going through you? Mm-mm. Yeah, if we had time, we'd, uh, we'd go back over to Hebrews. You'd go into Hebrews, you'd find out that when these gifts work through you, it does something to you. It does something to you on the inside. But we don't have time to get into all that. Would y'all stand up with me? Glory to God. Before we pray, how many are here today and you say, I know I have a gift of healing 
in me. All right, one, two, I got to see two, see three. All right, you need to be out there developing that thing. And do not be humble. The, the gifts of the Spirit are not here for you to, to, to be, be quiet about it. Well, you know, I know God uses me in the word of knowledge, but I don't want to tell nobody. No. If God uses you in one of the gifts, people ought to know what it is that, that's going on around them. I have a gift of healing in this particular area. People ought to know. You ought to get a shirt. You're right on the shirt. You're not bragging on you, you're bragging on God. Because there's nothing that you can do to make that thing work. It's all God. But the more that that, op- that gift is an operation, the more people are set free. And the more what the devil wants to do is set back. We're here to set him back. Set him back. Get out there and lay hands on people. I don't know what my gift is yet. It's all right. Get out there. If God gives you a word of knowledge, speak it. Do what it, he said to do with it. Word of wisdom. If you have the ability to see into the spirit realm, deal with it. As soon as you see it, deal with it. Start working these things. Why in the world would, would your gift of healing be developed if you won't even operate in the general gift of laying on the hands? Can't develop the good stuff if you won't even develop that. You've got to get out there and develop it. All right, let's bow our heads. With every head bowed, if you're here today, you say, I want to make a commitment to find out what my gift is. I'm raising my hand up here right now. Raise your hand on up. I will go forth and I will pray over those that he sends me to pray. I will speak over those he sends to me to speak over. I will exercise the gifts of the Spirit as he has given them to me. Father God, you see the hands that are raised. I thank you that you are using us. Every week, these gifts ought to be in operation in our life. It's not something that's supposed to be a rarity. It seems like every time that we are tuned into the life of Jesus, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. The word of knowledge is in operation. The word of wisdom is in operation. The gifts of healings are in operation. Discerning the spirits has been in operation. It seems like every time we see one of the stories, one of the narratives that are given about the life of Jesus, one, two, three of these gifts are in operation. They ought to be a lot more common than they are. But we have to look for them. And we have to be willing to step out in faith to do what you're telling us to do. I thank you for it. I thank you for your glory that will be spread on this earth as we do those things that you've called us to do. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.